Hello, and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk to the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Koops, and today I'm excited to bring you an interview with author Tammy Lebrecht. Tammy is the author of the upcoming book, uh, Newsletter Ninja, and she's here to talk to us about her, her course and also the, uh, the skills we need as authors to build a relationship with readers, and then, of course, um, how that happens through newsletters. So welcome, Tammy. Thanks for having me on. It's so great to have you have you here. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Well, thank you. I'm really glad to be here. I got, I'm in good company. I've been watching the, the um, episodes you've done so far. Yeah, lots of, lots of great authors. And um, uh, some of them who have had a personal relationship with you already, I know that I've uh, talked to Todd Hodges and um, also uh, Chris Fox is on. I know that you, you've worked with, with these guys in the past with some of their books as an editor and things like that. But uh, to now you have a book coming out of your own all about newsletters and mailing lists. Um, I do. Nobody could be more surprised about that than I am, actually. <laughs> so maybe that's a good place to start. Um, yeah. I've done a lot of the people that are watching will already know who I am because I've done a little bit of everything. I've, I, I write. I've been an editor. I've, I do product descriptions. I worked for Sterling and Stone. I do ads management. I mean, just everything in the indie space. But somehow this particular niche kind of became my jam. I love this. I geek out over it really hard. I think that the author email list is something that um, authors are not using to its full potential um, with very few exceptions. Um, they don't know quite how to leverage it properly. They don't quite know how to relate to it properly. And when I talk to authors about the way that I feel about newsletters, the kind of my philosophy about mailing lists, you kind of see like a little light bulb go on. And so then the next thing I knew, you know, I was teaching several different types of classes and people just kind of stopped asking for the other ones and would just say, when's the next mailing list class? When's the next mailing list class? So, okay, I guess I'll just do these mailing list class. And then Dave Gogren said, well, why aren't you writing a book? And I said, uh, okay. So now I kind of mostly teach this and I'm writing this nonfiction book about it. That's fantastic. For people who um, are watching who maybe are just starting out as authors or who are, or are readers, um, what is just the basic importance of a mailing list and why is this a, an essential tool for authors? Well, the thing about why you need a mailing list is a question that is really straightforward and then turns out not to be. So when, when people come to me and they have, like, when they come to me and they say, my list is not working, my whole list situation is, is disaster, they generally fall into like one of three camps. They either want to start a list and they don't know where to begin, um, they've got a list, it's not as big as they would like, or they've got a list that, you know, it's big enough, although we'll always take more, but it's not, it's not engaged. It's not doing what it needs to be doing. So the thing about a mailing list and why you need to have one yourself um, is because, of course, the mailing list is the only thing that you control. So when people come to me and they say, I don't have enough people on my mailing list, I say, well, where are you hanging out with your readers? And the answer will be, oh, I'm on Facebook or I'm on Twitter or uh, some forum somewhere. That's great. If that's where your readers are, you should be in those spaces talking to your readers, of course, but that's not yours. Mm -hmm. That's as long as you're sharecropping on somebody else's land, you're not going to own anything of any value. So using other platforms is great but you don't want to build your business there. That's right. the number one reason you've got to have the email list. If Amazon goes belly up tomorrow, which we know is not going to happen, if Amazon closes your account tomorrow, which becomes more and more likely these days, mm. 
how are you going to reach those people and tell them where to find you? You're not going to find them on Amazon. If Facebook closes down your profile, how are you going to find them? If they change their algorithms, which they constantly do, how are people going to hear from you? So the email list is where they've invited you into their inbox and they're willing to hear from you and you should be utilizing that to its full potential, basically. And this is something that, you know, as independent authors especially, this is relatively new. Uh, it's It's a tool that that a lot of independents have that a lot of traditional authors haven't had in the past. They haven't had a direct connection to readers. They went through a publisher. The publisher had the connection with the readers. The readers couldn't necessarily just email back and forth with their favorite authors. So this is kind of a brand new type of relationship for readers and for authors. So how do you, how do you recommend kind of building that relationship? The key word there is relationship, see, and I think that that's where a lot of authors go wrong, if I can use the word wrong. Mm -hmm. I think that's where a lot of authors go wrong. So when people come and they take, like, and they go through my course, the whole first week is just mailing list philosophy, and everybody's like, what are we going to talk about? And they all walk away going, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. Mm. How most authors look at their mailing list and how most of them talk to me about their mailing list is they're not doing what I expect them to do for me. They're not opening at the rates I expect. They're not clicking at the rates I expect. I'm not getting the conversion I need from this this asset. Mm. My feeling is that's the wrong way to think of it. I don't want you to be thinking about what is my mailing list going to do for me. I'm asking you, what are you doing for your mailing list, Mm -hmm. right? Are you alerting them to bargains in other books in the same genre? Are you letting them know um, when you read something really cool? Are you putting them first for cover reveals, work in progress snippets, all the little things that it's real easy to drop in your Facebook group? Are you giving them exclusive epilogues? Are you giving them sideways stories? Because when you give your newsletter something every time that you email them, then that fifth or sixth email that you send that says, I've got a book out, those people are a lot more likely to click on it. Those people are a lot more willing to do something for you, first of all, because you've done so much for them mm-hmm. and relationships are reciprocal, but also because they just like you. They right. know what kinds of books you read. They know where you hang out on the Internet. They know they've gotten excited about the book as it comes into being because you've been keeping them up with like cover reveals and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I say... Stop thinking about conversion rates, although we certainly look at those metrics. Stop thinking about whether or not they're performing for you and ask yourself how you can make them want to do things for you, which is an important mindset shift. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. It makes all the difference. One of the things I I hear from from new authors especially, and when they talk about, well, I'm worried about having a mailing list because I'm scared of what I have to say or they don't know how often to say anything because they, they think, I don't have anything to tell them. Um, What would you tell those authors just starting out? This is what I tell them, and I tell every author the same thing. So for all of you who were transformed by hearing it, I'm sorry I say it to everyone. You're a rock star. Like, you're sitting there in front of the MailChimp dashboard, and you're like, what do I even talk to these people about? Like, they care what I have to say, but they do. They do care what you have to say. They signed up for your list. They read something they liked by you or they were intrigued enough by a reader magnet mm-hmm. to hand over their email address, which nowadays, as busy as all our inboxes in, is kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. They hand it over their email address. When you send them an email, they're not like, oh, God, what has this guy got to say? They're excited. You, to them, are an absolute rock star. So you put your rock star hat on, and you think, 
okay, what would I want to hear about from my favorite author? I'd Mm want to know what she's been up to. I'd want to know what he's working on right now. I'd want to know what she's reading. I'd want to know if they traveled somewhere. And you just talk to them in exactly that way. And the key, and it's super, super important, and it's a little bit hard to wrap your head around, is that you have to talk to your list of 100 people, 1,000 people, 20,000 people as this giant amorphous mass, right, all at once. But you also have to be having a conversation with every individual person. Every one of those email addresses is an actual person, and they, to some degree, like you. So Mm -hmm. you're trying to nurture these individual relationships while at the same time sending out these giant broadcasts. It's a little bit of a balancing act, but it's, it's not hard once you start doing it and you get used to it. What are some tips you, tips you offer for trying to visualize that ideal reader or that person that you're speaking to personally? I actually make all of my students create a reader avatar, or more than one if they go cross-genre or if they feel like their genre is really widely appealing. So um, for a romance writer, I might say, who is your ideal reader? And she might say to me, uh, she's between 30 and 35. She's got two kids. She's probably a paralegal or an office assistant. Um, she reads four books a week. So I, I go through the process with them and actually build reader avatars. And then in that beginning stage of either building or renovating the email list that they have, that's kind of who they talk to. If you're further along and you actually have some relationships with people, those avatars fall by the wayside. When I send out emails for my romance pen name, I don't have an avatar anymore because I've actually got Ginger and I've got Debbie and I've got Katie and I know who those people are, so I'm writing to them. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, just actually crafting just an avatar makes a huge difference. Do you recommend people survey their lists early on to try to get some of those de- demographics? I know me personally, when I did surveys, I was surprised to find that my average reader was over the age of 50. Like, over half I- my list. Like, but I was surprised by that. I didn't know before I, before I surveyed. I definitely do. I would probably not do it in the very initial stages of getting to know them, like not during an onboarding sequence, say, Um, because that's very, we do onboarding heavily in the class, and I plan to cover it very in-depth in the book, which is not quite done yet, so don't anyone get too excited. Um, So I wouldn't do it probably in the onboarding sequence, because that's kind of more of like a, like dating, it's a getting to know you situation. But once you've got a list of people to send out a survey every six or eight months and say, hey, let me know some stuff about yourself. You can get surprising results. I The last time I surveyed my list was basically about book recommendations. It was a circumstance where romance newsletters were getting very full of book recommendations. And I was like, mm, how do people really feel about this? So I surveyed them um, and got probably 400 or so responses, which is huge for a Google yeah. survey that was like four pages long. Um and so I just asked them a bunch of questions about what did they think about various romance recommendation, you know, patterns, and did they like this or not like this or whatever. Um, and you get really good responses, and then you can tailor your list because, and this is really important. Like I feel like I feel like people don't get this. If somebody just wants to know when your next book is out, mm-hmm. they can follow you on Amazon. They can follow you on BookBub. When mm-hmm. someone unsubscribes from my list, the last email they get says, if you just want to know about new releases, follow me on BookBub or Amazon. That's fine. Smart. The people that are on that list that I'm paying for, that I'm talking to every month, and it really should be every month kind of for reputation reasons, those people that I'm talking to every month, those are not just people that are kind of interested in my books. I am cultivating very intentionally a list of super fans. 
So those are the people that are going to evangelize for you. Those are the people who are going to buy everything you send them, try out your recommendations, which ninja trick gets you some good also bots if you do it, right? Um, And they're going to go out and literally evangelize for you to other readers and say, you have to try this book and basically push your book into other people's hands. Those are the people I wanted. Much rather have a small, very engaged list than a big one that could take or leave me. We have a question from um, Sean. Peter asks, uh, how do people find you to sign up if not on Facebook or Twitter? I found Nathan from searching book types on Amazon. You can definitely, I, in fact, I recommend that you should, sprinkle your newsletter link absolutely everywhere. It should be mm. at the top of your Twitter feed unless you have a new release. It should be somewhere very easily accessible on your Facebook page, although I don't um, I don't pin it because pinned posts don't show on mobile, I think. Like, you have to expand them on purpose um but it should be in really obvious places anywhere that your readers hang up because you're all hang out because you're always trying to cross-pollinate so i tell the people on my newsletter come talk to me in my reader group and i tell the people on my reader group like my facebook page because that's where i advertise from and i mm-hmm. tell the people go join the newsletter because i'm doing a cool paperback giveaway if you're constantly making sure that people are in all the places wherever you show up They'll be there to greet you, but on that off chance that you lose something, they're there for your newsletter. Um, let me give you a really personal and very recent example. I just recently lost access to my Facebook reader group, um, yeah. which was not a Facebook problem, but an actual personal problem. But I lost access to my reader group yeah. and had to build, start building a new one from scratch. And I got about 300 people in that group in about five days by going to my newsletter yeah. and saying, hey, guys, I have a new reader group. Come sign up. Yeah. And they all went over there and they did it. Um, 300 is not the 1,800 I had before, but they'll get there. And I yeah. think that that's really important. Yeah. I found personally that it kind of helps to start something new every once in a while to see who the new really engaged people are if they're not always the same. Like some people that used to be really engaged maybe have sort of fallen away the wayside. Maybe there's new people that want to be uh, more actively involved. But, um, that makes a lot of sense, and then you can constantly be drawing those really engaged people into a hopefully expanding group of, like I said, super fans. Yeah, absolutely. I stole that from Dave Gogren. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> yeah, we've had Dave on the show. He's, he's a wealth of knowledge, obviously, and he's he's spoken very highly of your your course as well. What tell tell people the name of your course if they're interested? It's called Mailing List Experts. Um, and I dropped a link right at the top of the comments section of this live video. Um, but the the uh, the website is indiepubintensive.com. So if you go there, there's always a link to um, the mailing list class. It's currently enrolling for August because every time I open it, it just fills up immediately, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, and it's a great course. We just it's four weeks. You go through the first week is just some basic stuff: mailing list philosophy, reader avatars, what kind of list do you want to have. For people who don't yet have a provider, I like to do the what kind of list do you need before we pick a provider because if you pick based on just like money or something, often you get the wrong sort of thing. Um, The second week we go through and we talk about uh, onboarding autoresponders. That usually takes us through, homework-wise, the remainder of the month because it takes a long time. People have to build them or rewrite them or tweak them in some fashion. Mm -hmm. And then week three, we talk about list building, engagement, re-engagement of the dead weight, which is really important because you're constantly having to scoop those people back up and re-engage them. Hmm. Um, And the last week, we talk about just ongoing engagement, like what do you talk to them about every month? And uh, we do a whole thing on subject lines because subject lines are like, you know, they got to be short, but not too clickbaity. They have to be interesting, but not too weird. It's mm-hmm. good if they're funny, but being funny is hard. 
the poop emoji scores really high on open <laughs> rates, but romance reader writers can't really send out emails with a poop emoji in the subject line. You know, like that. So we do a lot of a lot of that at the very last last week of it. That's a valid point. I mean, it's no use having a mailing list if none of them are going to open the emails in the first place. There's no use whatsoever. And I am honestly, I mean, I don't mean to be mercenary about it, but every person on that mailing list to some degree is costing you money. Mm, So while I very much do not advocate saying, look at all these people costing me money and not doing anything, if you don't want them to be costing you money and not doing anything, then you have got to build those relationships because I assure you there's 10 writers behind you with interesting newsletters that they could be reading instead. (laughs) Yesenia Vargas says, most important takeaway, use poop emoji in your subject line. <laughs> 100%. Nothing but a straight line of poop emojis. Emojis do actually convert really high, which is funny. I can't remember the statistic, but it's like a double-digit improvement over a subject line without an emoji in it. So if you're uh, sending out a, a new romance book, maybe include a little heart. If you're sending out a thriller, maybe, I don't know, a little knife, something. Yeah. Um, this is the sort of thing that we talk about in class. Each of the students in the class gets a half hour one-on-one conversation like this every week is part of the kind of value proposition of the class so we have a general conversation and then each student gets to spend a half hour a week with me where i say like okay what do you write how big is your list and we make plans that's really cool um it's coming back to sean's question about finding people if you're not on facebook so his his reader journey sounds like he he found me through amazon just read the book first liked it so can you talk a little bit about like you talk about onboarding? Like, what's the reader's process? Like, they're they're gonna maybe go through a link in the back of the book, and then mm-hmm. um, can you talk about just step by step for for especially for new authors what the what the process is of getting a reader who just read your book and liked it onto your list? Yes. So, Sean, you're gonna have the link everywhere. If you're not in certain locations, that's fine. But any of the places you do hang out, you're gonna sprinkle it everywhere. If you hang out on Reddit, and you truly hang out on Reddit, because you can't just drop in to Reddit. But if you're a regular person and you always have contributed there, that's fine. If you hang out on Tumblr, if you're on Twitter, wherever you are, and the back of your book and your email signature and every dang place that you can imagine putting a link to sign up for your email um, list, do that. So then what happens is somebody signs up. They click a link in the back of the book or they see you on Twitter or they whatever. They go to your website. They type it in. Um, If I may name drop, my friend Wayne Stinnett Hmm. has... Um, he has an email sign up on his website he does not have a hot link because the guy just does whatever he wants and it doesn't matter Um, he doesn't have a hot link at the end of his books it says if you want to join my mailing list go to waynestinnett.com and it's not even a live link they got to go over to the computer and type it in so get them to the computer or somewhere and they sign up the first thing that needs to happen and authors are not doing this is that you need to tailor the welcome email so like let's just say I'm going to say MailChimp because so many people use it but you know, active campaign, whatever. Mm -hmm. So MailChimp sends out an automated welcome email. You know, like they they do a confirmation, that's fine. And then it says like, okay, you're confirmed. That email in every email provider, every email list provider that I've worked with, that's customizable. Put your branding on that. If there's a header on your website, adapt it for that email. If you've got um, some kind of cool graphics that you tend to use, do that. Make it look nice. Make the background colored. Do something with that welcome email. However... I don't recommend in that welcome email that you do anything that elicits a reply or a click because that email didn't come from you. That email comes from the email list provider like MailChimp and any activity that people take in it is often not trackable in your statistics and doesn't count towards your reputation. So what you do instead in that email is you say, go look for the email that just came from me. 
Mm. And you set up an automation. It's done differently in different providers, of course, but you set up an automation so that as soon as someone signs up, they get an email from you. It delivers your reader magnet. If you've got one, it introduces them to who you are, tells them maybe a little bit about what it is that you write. I'm a big fan of autoresponder sequences. So mm-hmm. like the first one just delivers a cookie, then there's a getting to know you email, then there's a checking in and telling you a little bit more about me email over the course of, you know, three, four, five emails. If you write in a lot of genres or have a lot of series, it could be quite long. Mm. But basically you're taking people through that journey and you're explaining who it is that you are. Now that sounds kind of crazy because who cares who you are? But that's where we go back to you're a rock star. You're an absolute rock star. If they signed up, they want to know something about you. And if they signed up and then it turns out they don't want to know something about you, on the way out, they're welcome to follow you on Amazon. That that works. That's great. Meanwhile, you're introducing all these people to you, and by the time you get to the end of that onboarding sequence, it's sort of like you've had a series of first dates. And now mm-hmm. they know a whole bunch of stuff about you. You drop them into a general population sort of email, and they just begin to get your regular campaigns, but they've been primed to understand who you are and what it is that you talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean commented and says, we need to be wooed. That's the, uh, yes. <laughs> the yes, relationship they really do. Like, it is. I hate to overplay the dating analogy, but it really is like you don't want to be that guy at a party that tries to tell everybody everything about you the first minute that they meet you. Right. That's not how that works. You meet someone at a party, then maybe you you know meet them somewhere else, then maybe you talk via email. I don't know what the kids are doing these days. I'm too old to date. Um, but you gradually get to know people over a series of dates and mm. then decide if you want to proceed. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what the email thing is like. Well, yeah, that's fantastic advice. And um, so what are some of the things, so you said we're, we're getting to know each other over the course of this email. It, it, we end up on a, on a list of co- sort of general newsletter updates we're getting monthly or weekly. What's what sort of your recommendation of how much, how little to be emailing folks to, to kind of keep them engaged? Do you have a, a set time frame you recommend? It really depends. So many things do. That's part of why I was really adamant that the one-on-ones had to happen in the class. I keep the class to 10 people because there's only so much time to go around, but I was adamant that I wouldn't get rid of the one-on-one aspect. So a lot of it is, you know, kind of dependent. But general advice, you got to email every month. I, no matter how often you're releasing, even if you release twice a year, you've got to email every month because actually just mechanically speaking, your reputation as a sender renews. It's kind of a rolling 30-day thing, and you want to make sure that you're hitting people at least in that 30-day period yeah. so that you're not fighting with Gmail or Hotmail every freaking time you send an email to mm-hmm. stay out of spam. We have a whole bunch of spam talk in the class, and it will go into the book as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so at least every 30 days, if you're releasing more often, and you can get away with sending more often. I think the most important thing is that you need to, there's two things. You need to keep an eye on your give to ask ratio. So you need okay. to look at those emails and realize that for every time you send to them and say, please buy my book, you need to have said, here's something for you several times. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the actual ratio and all of that. But you yeah. need to have, you need to give more than you ask. The second consideration I actually just kind of went right out of my head. So the give to ask ratio, I forget what the other one was. Just go with give to ask and call it good. Yeah, and I, I think, well, I think a, lot of, a lot of authors don't realize how much they're asking. Because um, it's not just sales, because sometimes we're asking for reviews or we're asking them to join a Facebook group and stay connected. Like there's a lot of individual little asks that happen. And then that is very, authors, very true. Authors don't always and, realize how much that of a burden that kind of might feel like for a reader. 
It does. If every time someone picks up the phone and calls you, they're asking you like for a loan or something, you know, or a ride somewhere or help me move. I just help someone move. So that's really at the <laughs> forefront of my thoughts. Like, no, I, you know, like eventually you go, what have you done for me lately? And I think that your readers will definitely come to feel that way. So, but it's also important to remember because people are like, well, I can't give everything away. A give doesn't mean here is one of my books free. A give means I saw a bargain in BookBub, so I passed it along. I happen mm -hmm. to know a friend has a perma free, so I'll send that. Here's a work. Here's a snippet from my work in progress. It's just three paragraphs that I wrote today that I'm proud of, and I think you'll be excited when the book comes out. Mm -hmm. That's a give. Anything that doesn't ask them to do anything except enjoy. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's good recommendations. There's certainly a, a lot of opportunities out there for, for gifts. I know I do, I do a, a monthly signed paperback giveaway of one of my books for my subscribers, and people um, you know sign up for it every month. And they, See, that's awesome. Yeah, and they also tell me what they're oh. reading, which is great. I remembered the other thing I wanted to say. The other thing I wanted to say is don't waste their time. Those are your two considerations. What's your give to ask ratio? And do you actually have anything to say? Because if you're sending just to send, mm -hmm. you need to go find a better reason. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're sending every two weeks and each email is loaded with cool stuff, you're golden. They'll be happy to hear from you. That's excellent advice. Excellent advice. All right, um, so we're kind of getting towards towards the end of the show here. Um, I want to say, Ken Robin says, no, not to help me move. Um, if anyone else has questions for Tammy, then definitely uh, shoot them up and uh, ask them in the comments and, and see if like, we can't get any any of your questions answered. But um, while we're doing that, can, can we get a reminder uh, from you, Tammy? When is, when is the book, what's the book titled and when's it coming out and when can we access this? The book's title is Newsletter Ninja, so because it has the cutest little ninja on the front, and I can't even stand it. You guys will <laughs> die. He's got a little like mailbag. It's a postman ninja. I don't know. Cliff art is weird. <laughs> so it's called Newsletter Ninja. If you search Amazon for Newsletter Ninja, Newsletter Ninja, you can't miss it. It's the only book that comes up. Okay. Um, surprise! There's not a lot of books called that. Um, and it's slated to come out July 13th, I think it is, but I actually really do intend for it to come out sooner. I'm hedging my bets with Amazon pre-orders just in mm. case the sky falls, like can happen. Um, but I expect it to be out mid to late May, actually. So it's I'm, I'm in the process of you know, finishing up. Um, so that's my plan. The course is called Mailing List Expert. Like I said, you can just go to IndiePubIntensive.com. Indie Indy, with an IE. IndiePubIntensive.com. Okay. And links to both are in the, the comment trail here. Um, and then once you get there, there's just a drop down where you can choose classes. There's three classes listed, but the only one that's running right now is Mailing List Expert because the other two didn't. I didn't feel like they were delivering the kind of value that this one was. And apparently people agreed because, man, I opened this thing and it's just gone. So August enrollment is open right now. That's what's in the drop down menu if people want to sign up. It's a it's a great course. I'm not going to like, you know, people try to be all falsely modest or whatever. It's a fantastic course. People who go through it always Good. say, this was wonderful. I loved learning. I feel like I changed my whole attitude. Um, I People are replying to my emails and they never did before. Um, so it's really fantastic. But I really hope to pack most of it into the book because I do Good. feel... The value proposition of a class mostly is the one-on-ones. That's the part that can't be replicated. Mm -hmm. So there's no there's no loss if I take most of the information and put it in the book. Yeah, and we always appreciate that because not everyone has the time or the money for a course, and um, you know, a lot of authors are just starting out, have have low budgets, and and need to you know scrimp and save as much as they can, but still want to have access to this awesome knowledge that you're providing. Um, 
So I'm trying to make the book funny. So if it's not <laughs> funny, guys, please don't tell me because I'll be really sad. I'm trying really hard. So his newsletters are dry. I mean, let's be honest. This is not, you know. <laughs> so what are um, any tips you can? Um, Sean says he's using this to take notes and, and, and judge me on my newsletter engagements because Sean is on my news, <laughs> newsletter, so he's he's going to be rank, ranking all of my emails here. that I send out next month. I'll have to I'll have a tough bar to uh, to to get over. Uh, Lindsay Allen says my favorite writing lady. So you're getting oh, hi, compliments Lindsay. from Lindsay. And um, for those of you watching, uh, Tammy can't see the comments right now. She's just chatting with me, but uh, we can get on a little bit after. The episode we can certainly access and answer questions on there too if we don't get a chance to. It doesn't always show all the comments uh, in in you know, live time for me. So if we happen to miss your questions or comments, we'll definitely get on there and ask. Yeah, definitely. And if you're watching this later, go ahead and just post a question, and I'll I'll be around to answer it. That's fantastic. So could you? Um, since there are so many people just starting out, like, and you are the expert on this, if you had to give one bit, a little bit of advice to the to the newbie who on things that people commonly do wrong starting out, maybe trying to fix their newsletters, is there anything that you see that's really really common that should be like the first thing that people usually fix when they uh, kind of revamp their newsletters? Yes, the very first thing that I would tell people to fix is to stop being apologetic for sending a newsletter. Mm-hmm. And I think there's probably a lot of heads nodding out there in the audience right now. This goes back to what I said earlier, which is that you are a rock star. If you are doing, um, you know, how Dave referred to it as he said, I sent a lot of eyes down newsletters. Like, mm-hmm. I'm embarrassed that I'm sending this to you. Do not be sending eyes down newsletters. Do not be thinking that you don't actually have anything of value to say. Don't imagine that the people out there are just rolling their eyes because you sent them another email. If they're there, they want to hear from you, so do not apologize. And Mm -hmm. I've seen people actually apologize. I'm sorry to bother you. I'm sorry to send again so soon. You're never sorry to send a newsletter because if you're doing it right, you're delivering crazy value every time and building fans, and that is nothing to be sorry for. Yeah, I've gotten one of those recently, and I opened it, and I said, hey, you know, I don't need to be apologized to. I just opened your email because I like you. So I like uh, you. Yeah, exactly. So excellent advice. Thank you very much. Um, okay. So we're coming up on the half hour here, so we're going to go ahead and sign off. But thank you so much, Tammy, for your time. Thank you for, for uh, being so generous with your knowledge and your information, and we really look forward to this book. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Nathan, and thanks to everybody for watching. All right. We'll go ahead and... Uh, Get signed off and uh, have an excellent day. You too.